Hey legends, welcome to yet another week of the Virtus Performance Podcast. Uh, before I get stuck into today, to today's guest, I would like to thank all you guys for listening. Uh, please keep sharing, liking, subscribing, all that fun stuff um, so more people can listen to me talk rubbish and drink gin and stuff like that. Um, my guest today is Dan McQuinn. Dan is a lawyer by trade. He's an entrepreneur. He's a world traveler. He's someone who has uprooted his life a bunch of times and come out from each move and change with new life experiences and new learnings and he's a very insightful legendary human who is also 12 out of 10 in the looks department um so yeah just if you if you don't like listening to him just look at the pictures and stuff i guess um here he is My personal and business goal is to be just a little bit better every day. I believe everyone, especially normal people, have a story to tell. The Virtus Podcast exists to help us all find small ways of consistent improvement by discussing the journey and experiences of each of our guests. Dan McQueen, mate. Hello. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Great to be here. It's good to have you on. You've been a highly sought after guest and <laughs> you. managed to match up our schedules and get, get you uh, locked it in. Get you, yeah. get you in. First question for you, what gets you out of bed in the morning? Ooh. Uh, I can start with being cheesy and say my alarm. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone gives that food or coffee. Ah. So in a more philosophical sense. No, in a ph- philosophical sense. Um... Very good question, Lockie. Hit me, hit me Mate, hard straight Got to start hard and then it just gets easier from here. Um, what gets me out of bed in the morning? I think... Let me rephrase it. Why do you do what you do? Why do I do what I do? I think I want to answer one way and I'm going to answer <laughs> the other way. So the, the real reason I do, do what I do at the moment is because I need to. Yep. Um, and there are bills to pay. Yep. Um, but the reason I do the things that I love is very different and the things that I love are the things that are important to me. Um, the reason I do the things that I love is obviously because I love them but also because they fit with my values and and they're, um, you know, they're things that I feel passionate about. So the reason I get out of bed in the morning when I want to get out of bed in the morning and I think that's probably where the question's leading. Yeah. When I want to get out of bed in the morning, I'm doing something or I'm going to be doing something that I really want to do because it's something that fits with my values and in particular I think my values of um I'm gonna gonna answer your question very long-winded way (laughs) go nuts that's the whole point of the podcast I was taught from a very young age and I've realized this only recently that my mum always said whenever you borrow something you return it better than you got it and for that reason I think it's always stuck with me that I've always wanted to return something better than I've got it but I've also wanted to take something and make it better than when I took it. So when I'm doing something that I'm really passionate about, I want it to be better than when I got it. Um, and I guess that's sort of where where passion comes from for me and what gets me out of bed is to, to make something better. Make things better. better. Yeah. I like that. Fuck, that's good. That's really good. What's, um, 
what are your other values? What are the? You seem like the kind of person that would have sat down and thought about it and probably written down your values. And yeah. What, and what, <laughs> what are your values? Uh, so my, I think my key value, and this is the reason that I'm a lawyer, is uh, justice. I have a really, really strong sense of justice, and I think probably most of my values stem from that. So, I think if anyone, if you ask anyone close to me, my my strongest sort of cause is the environment and that comes down to environmental justice and again it comes down to you know leaving something better than you found it and yeah that's the world that we come from and the world that we live in and the world that we're born into and the world that we'll die in um so yeah probably environment well justice is my key value and then environment is probably the the one that sticks out from there awesome um i don't know what are my other values Passion, justice, environment, it's a good place to start. Yeah, I think it is a good place to start. We'll stick with them for now. Talk to me about, and this is going to be a very long-winded answer to a very simple question, mm-hmm. but talk to me about what what was it like growing up and were you always going to be a lawyer? Uh, all right, what was it like growing up? I grew up in a real, I was very lucky to be born into the family I was. Um, there were never any issues. Mum and dad love each other very much. They're a credit to one another and they're very inspiring in the way that, you know, even at, in their 60s, sorry, mum to tell everyone they were <laughs> real age, um, in their 60s, you know, they still cuddle and they still love each other and awesome. it's really great. Um, it was a good childhood. You know, it had its interesting moments. I impaled myself on a star picket when I was 16 and almost died. Wow. We can cover that later. We will, uh, we will come back to that story yeah, for everyone think, that's listening. I think if we can, I think there's five near-death experiences, <laughs> but overall I was a very lucky well, even to survive there. <laughs> Where'd you grow up? Uh, Mount Eliza. Mount Eliza, awesome. Here. Yeah, so yeah. we're Peninsula. Sick. Um, and was I always going to be a lawyer? I yeah. think when I was 10, I first wanted to be a lawyer. Really? That's, yeah. that's pretty cool that something you said to yourself when you were 10 yeah. ended up coming true or being a thing yeah yeah what was, um, what was that journey from talk me through <clears throat> the steps from being 10 and going you know what i think i want to be a lawyer and i want to know why yeah to getting to actually be a lawyer i don't think it was ever even a conscious thing this is what i really believe if you genuinely want something you can make it happen 100 and i think the being an innocent 10 year old and genuinely (laughs) wanting something just was almost so instilled into my subconscious that it just made it happen. There's a quote when you, I'm going to paraphrase it, but it's Paolo Coelho, uh, the alchemist. Yeah. The guy who wrote all this, we were talking about before. I always struggle to pronounce his name. So I just say, yeah, just call him PC. Yeah. PC. So PC. Shout out. How about Yep. If you're listening. That's a shout out, Bell. <laughs> um, but paraphrasing one of his quotes is, when you really truly desire something, the universe will conspire with you to make it happen. Oh, yeah. And I just, like, that's not the quote, but I love that quote. And in his words, it's even better. Um, and I think the innocence of a 10-year-old is you don't let limiting beliefs, you don't believe limiting beliefs and you have yeah. a reason to sort of, you don't even have a reason to listen to them, let alone sort of entertain them um and i think from 10 until even now i just sort of had in my head yep i want to be a lawyer so i'm gonna be a lawyer that's cool yeah that's awesome it seems like that belief and that i guess drive to make that dream a reality has come a lot from your parents definitely yeah yeah so dad's always been a professional i've always known dad as a really hard-working man 
Mum worked in finance as well. She was always an incredibly hardworking woman. Yeah. Um, but I think, yeah, where mum and I had a really strong um, sort of mother-son bond, and I think mums always have a good bond with their sons, dad and I always had a bit of a... Um, like a really great relationship and it was always filled with love but I also sort of had that um, admiration for what dad did yeah not that I didn't for mum but I think it was sort of you know I didn't see dad as much but I always admired what he did that's cool and I didn't see him yeah awesome what are the <clears throat> what are the main traits that I think that you have I guess downloaded from your parents or learned from your parents uh, I, I actually think I've probably inherited more from mum um for whatever reason, I think mum's a very cheeky woman in a good way. Yeah. Mum, if you're listening. <laughs> uh, she's a lot of fun. Um, she's very caring, really empathetic, um, sometimes to a fault. And I think I've inherited that as well. Good. Um, and just a lot of like She's a bit of a joker and, and doesn't take anything too seriously. And then from dad, I think I've inherited professionalism and sort of you know the 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 typical corporate success sort of elements of you know being a straight shooter and being good on the phone which I'm really grateful for because I think a lot of our generation is missing that yeah Uh, always admired dad I remember sitting in the car and I was probably probably 10 probably around when I thought I wouldn't be a lawyer he was on the loudspeaker on this old (laughs) mobile phone (laughs) uh, I just remember him talking and thinking like that's really cool that he's just you know, making things happen and he's driving his car and yeah. So I think probably, yeah, professionally, um, from dad and personally from mum. I like it. Yeah. It's really cool. Talk me through the process. Were you, were you good at school? Were yep. you a good student? So, yeah. So I was the, a smart ass, but I was smart. <laughs> <laughs> Not surprised. But so becoming a lawyer was more about just knowing that's what you wanted to do and like, did yeah. you have to work harder at school because you knew you had to uh, no, hit certain levels? Yeah. Or? I don't think I was mature enough to work harder at school. Yeah. I didn't quite get the marks for law, but yeah. I went and did a, com- a year of commerce to get into law. Yeah. And I was so dogged in wanting to do law, I actually ditched the commerce. Yeah. Just did straight law, um, which in hindsight I probably <laughs> could have kept the extra extra degree, but yeah. that is what it is. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I sort of, like I always enjoyed school. I wasn't particularly popular. I was quite um, overweight until I was about 15 or 16. Mate, you're a picture of health and fitness <laughs> thank now. You, thank you. 12 um, out of 10. I'll make sure I put a photo of him on the, uh, <laughs> as I plug it. I'll, um, I'll do a quick shred before you take it. <laughs> we won't post it for a few weeks. Mate, you're looking good. <laughs> um, no, I sort of, I, I think I was more studious and I had friends. I certainly had friends, but I wasn't by any stretch a popular kid and yep. that helped probably me focus on studies um that being said I was a bit of a smart ass and, and didn't always do as I should have in terms of studies and everything so I think I'm lucky that I've got a pretty good head on my shoulders and was able to get good enough marks to get into at least the commerce and then transfer yeah. to law but it wasn't really I think again it was more the subconscious that was pushing me through in terms of you know I had that in my head that I'm going to be a lawyer so it's pretty cool made the right decisions yeah. and then the conscious might not have always helped. Where did, you, where did you study? Uh, Monash. Monash. What was, what was uni like being a law student? Because I think as a exercise science student <clears throat> and someone that's, I guess it's a, I'm not, I don't love school. I don't love like the, uh, 
education side of what I do. Like I love learning, but yeah. I don't love the sit down, do assignments kind of thing. Yeah. Law seems to me something that would be so far out of my comfort zone I couldn't deal with it. <laughs> what, what was it like? Was it something that you just boring. got done? Yeah, boring? Yeah. Awful. Just tick, I, ticking boxes? Yeah, it was... How long, how long is a law degree? Uh, well, I did it in four and a half years. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it was... No, it, there were some subjects that I really enjoyed, but overall it was... I don't think the education model is for right the way it's doing at the moment. It's sitting in lectures and taking notes and then being exam- oh, examined uh, um, yeah. for three hours to test your knowledge. Yeah, I, I understand the, the people that... And, like, a lot of the most successful people in the world haven't been to uni, yeah. don't go to college or whatever in the US. And it's just so like, disenchanted that you want, drop out. Well, that's it. You yeah. understand why. Because yeah. it's sitting in lecture theatres just trying to absorb information where most of us aren't built that way yeah what would you do to change it the education system because yeah. <laughs> this is a this is something that comes up tends to come up fairly regularly on the yeah. podcast with people not really enjoying schooling and mm-hmm. not enjoy not necessarily enjoying what they do at school but then getting out into the industry that they've been studying and loving it yeah so yeah what would you change about the school system i think i'd just make it more practical i think exams yeah. are terribly outdated yeah. as a standardized test so i think I'm a lawyer again now after a bit of time off and I've never been put in a position where I have three hours to write my answer to a legal question. <laughs> it's a collaborative, you know, it's, it's got to be about collaboration and just challenging one another and I think yeah. practical experience trumps book smarts every day of the week. Yeah, and um, I think that's not industry specific either. That's no, I think that's right. Everywhere, like it's across everything and as, as soon as... We start to realise that maybe the way we used to educate in the yeah. 50s and 40s and 30s when, I guess, the need for, uh, what's it, the industrial side of the revo- the education system, like, we don't need that anymore. Yeah. Like, everyone's so, it's so fluid in terms of what jobs and things yeah. we can do that let's start teaching people to think on their feet and think critically and be a little bit more proactive about what they're doing yeah. rather than fucking sitting there listening. Like mm. I couldn't think of anything worse. Yeah, and put them into the situations that they'll be in. Yeah. And that, you know, I was so ill-equipped to have met with clients and yeah. do that sort of thing, but for some volunteering I did at uni and yeah. I learned more of that volunteering than I did in probably... Most <laughs> Everyone says that. Everyone says they learn more from internships and yeah. things like that. Well, yeah, of course you do because you're learning... On the job, yeah, not learning the actual by, things that you're yeah. doing. Yeah, but I think there's, I don't know, it, it goes both ways, right? Because there's a part of the theory that you would have learned at uni that would have been important for you learning on the job. Hugely, yeah, yeah. So you've got to kind of get a yeah. bit of both worlds. I think also, particularly with a law degree, I'm really grateful for that because it's taught me. Basically, the job of a lawyer is to always think about the other side of an argument. Yeah. So if someone says the sky is blue, you try and think of why it's not, and you just like. Even if it's your argument, you've got to think, what would they say on the yeah. other side? So it makes you challenge everything. And I think I don't know that I'm the typical law student in that respect because I kind of extrapolated it into other areas of life. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I'm glad that I did a law degree for that, but I think it could have been taught a little bit differently. Yeah. Talk, talk me through all the things you've done since finishing law because it's you've done a bit, right? Yeah, I've done a bit. Yeah, I haven't followed the standard course. Of and I'm, uh, I'm coming at this from not actually knowing a lot of these answers. All right. So, so I've, had a, I've had a few chats with people that know you. Yes. And obviously I've talked to you about bits and pieces, but I haven't actually, like, 
Mate, I, this is new to me as well, so yeah. I'm going to ask questions not knowing the story, which is kind of cool. Uh, it has been, if there's a straight line between A and B, I think <laughs> I hit every other letter in the alphabet before I hit B. Good. Um, oh, actually, I hit B and then I bounced back to Z and then I sort of started again. <laughs> right, take me through that process. All right, so I um, qualified law and did well, got a, I was quite lucky, I so the route for a lawyer is once you qualify, the year before you qualify, you apply for clerkships. And that's kind of your foot in the door at a big firm. Yeah. Everyone says you have to go to the big. You have to go to the big firm, so you do that. Um, I didn't get any interviews except for the one I spent the least time applying yeah. for, and it was the most beautifully succinct cover letter. It was dot <laughs> points, like everyone was saying, "You're an idiot. Why would you put bullet points in the resume and all this stuff?" Got the interview, got the job. Um, so I went straight out of uni into a graduate year yep. at a firm in the city, and it was really good. It was valuable um the actual work itself was interesting but the lifestyle was just horrendous um i was working until well depending on sort of i went through four different practice areas but some of the worst ones were back in the days when there wasn't 24-hour trains i was missing the train home oh no um because i was working past one o'clock yeah uh and there was just no real what'd you do nap under your desk no, I got, oh, I got a cab charge from the firm. Oh, no. Yeah, so about $120 cab. Lovely. Paid for by them, so that's yeah. good. But um, sort of it reached a point where I was actually washing dishes in my kitchen and I burst into tears. Yeah. And I was just exhausted and unhappy. And that at that moment, I just went, there is so much more to life than living this sort of life. So I quit and I had nothing. How long, no did, plans. You, um, how long did it take for you to get to the point where you went... I'm a new grad to this sucks to yeah. done. So from the start to the finish was just under two years. Yeah. For the honeymoon period was probably six months. Uh, after that, it started feeling stale but necessary. Yeah. And then it was at the point where I was, you know, just completely broke down that I realised that nothing can be worth that. I like that. Yeah. I like. Do you think... Do you think it took too long? Do you think it didn't take long enough? Uh, no, I think, think it's just the right time. I think it worked out well enough for me because I had enough on my resume that if I ever wanted to go back to it, which I eventually did, yeah, um, it was okay. I think if I had have left it any longer, I would have probably spiraled down <laughs> pretty quickly. <laughs> was it was it hard making that decision, or was it an easy decision because you're like you've were self-aware enough to go yeah, I'm done I, I felt like a completely different person after that night I, yeah I felt like it just hit me and I was like there's no option it's either you quit or you're depressed and you're stuck in this forever and you don't want to do that so yeah. quit yeah. Good. so but, you quit not having anything lined uh, up yeah uh, and then I got a job got a job actually no I stayed in the law for a little while yep and then that was pre-breakdown. I felt like she <laughs> got another job for three months and then broke down and yep. just completely quit it. Um, yeah, and just had nothing to go to. So what did I do from there? I worked in some hospitality, went travelling. Awesome. Lived in New York for just under three months. Um, Why you, did you travel because you didn't know what you wanted to do? Uh, I think I travelled because it was almost a quarter life crisis. It was <laughs> like, if life is that bad, then make it good. And I just took it to the extreme. Oh, good. Yeah. I inherited some money from my grandparents because they passed away. And I think that probably contributed a little bit to where I was at. Yeah. Um, and I just thought they gave me this money because they want me to be happy. And so I applied it to something that I thought would make me happy. And I went overseas and just 
lived, like didn't need an income, just sort of set myself up in a brownstone in Brooklyn and wandered around and got to know some people and just had a good time. That's cool. Yeah. What, what, did, what did that period of your life teach you about the world and about yourself? Um, about the world, I think it's that you can... I don't know, I found, like, I didn't know anyone. Yeah. And I'd walk around and I'd smile and I'd just start talking to people. Like, it, it took a while, but eventually it was like, you're not going to meet someone unless you talk to them. Yeah. And everyone has their own shit going on, but overall, I think everyone's good. And you can have a chat to someone and generally, they'll happily chat to you back. And I think that was kind of like this really good turning point because I got over some a lot of insecurities. Yeah. Um, and I would highly recommend living by yourself for a while for anyone that's sort of under especially like especially overseas especially overseas completely foreign yeah I found myself driving a van for this guy that owned a cafe I was driving his coffee cart around because he'd been there for more than two years so he couldn't have an Australian license that he could drive in New York and I was driving this van through Manhattan like one of the busiest cities in the world and almost crashed about five times but (laughs) it was like having a good chat with him and it was just an amazing experience and so I think just overall it was just like getting out of your comfort zone and just all, I think, yeah, probably realising that generally people are good and they're happy to help you if you need help and they're happy to chat to you if you want to have a chat. And if they're not, then they've got their own shit. Like, it's not a personal... Yeah, I agree. Yeah. 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 So it's usually a projection of what they've got going on there. Yeah, life, rather than not you. you. Yeah. 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 Good. What did it teach you about yourself? Uh, what did it teach you about me? Uh, that I'm capable of doing more than I think. Oh, good. Yeah. Even if that's sort of talking to someone that I'm not as comfortable talking to. Yeah. Um, I think it taught me that I'm, without wanting to seem big-headed, I think it taught me that I'm... This is your chance to pump up. No, I know. Everyone, <laughs> listen to me. Um, no, I think it taught me that overall I'm quite a likeable person and I, I don't say that because... I want to pump myself up, but I say that because I definitely didn't think that before then. Okay. I had quite low self-esteem before yeah. then, I think. Um, I faked it, but before then, I think I was uh, quite insecure. Well, mate, since getting to know you, I can definitely attest to that. <laughs> Somewhat. Thank you. Most of the time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, just sort of, it, it was a confidence-boosting experience. It taught me that, you know, it's... No, what did it teach me about me? That I'm not not that bad a guy. That I can yeah. that I can achieve things that I want to achieve. Um, and just that, like life's good. I just had a really good time, and yeah. it wasn't like I was, you know, I wasn't achieving that much. Did you, did like you put pressure? On, did you? Uh, I'm interested into kind of like your mindset when you went over and decided to do that. Did you put pressure on yourself to meet people and learn stuff, or did you just kind of let it happen? Uh, no, I wanted to. I wanted to make the most out of it. Like I needed a bit of time to sort of unwind and just come to grips with <laughs> the fact that I'd just quit a very uh, stable career and just yep. jump ship. Um, and I had a very supportive girlfriend at the time, so that was good. And awesome. We sort of she left before I did, and then I was sort of exploring myself. And that's when I kind of that's when I was sort of throwing myself in. And <laughs> there's the gym. And. Um, yeah, I just sort of thought, well, you might not be here again and you certainly won't be here on these terms where nothing's yeah. an issue, like you've got time, you've got some money in the bank and you don't need to work, just go out and explore and help. That's cool. Yeah. <clears throat> what was the one of the two best things you did while you were over there? 
Ooh. Or, or you're living in New York. Because I haven't been, and I it's on the list. It's my favourite city in the world. Yeah. I'd highly recommend it. Um, Every time I talk to Tommy T about New York, yeah. it's... Um, it's like, we gotta go, we gotta go. Yeah. Like, Mate, I'll come. I My favourite cafe is in New York. It's called yeah. Sweatshop. It's in Brooklyn. I'll write that it's down. Tiny. It's by a guy from Melbourne, I think. Yeah. Um, I think, actually, I won't tell you how he got around the migration laws because he. <laughs> <laughs> it really depends who, who listens to the podcast. Yeah. Um, at least he might know a good lawyer, I assume. <laughs> Um, yeah, all the two. Things. I don't know. I had a two had a party things. with my ex's best friend. Yeah, and we were just sitting there, and it was just like the ultimate American party with just like all of these really cool people, and it was just fun, and like it was literally just her and I sitting there just watching it happen. Yeah, and that was cool. And then we went upstairs, and we were on the roof of this building, and we could look at Manhattan. That's cool. And it was just the whole of New York in front of us with a beer in hand. Yeah. And that was really cool. That last good. Yeah. And probably the other one, I don't know, driving through Manhattan with a van and almost crashing with that would be pretty fun. It <laughs> would be a pretty good experience, like, looking back on that now and going, yeah, I did that. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know that many people have actually driven. It was literally from the east, basically on the water, to the west, basically yeah. on the water. So, so straight, straight through all straight the chaos. Across. That That's awesome. Fun. Yeah. How long did you stay there for? Uh, just under three months. Just under three months. Yeah. Awesome. Then what? Uh, then what? Came home and that's when I started. So I, I came home and I started a business. Yeah. And it is, it's still going. It's Flinders Lane Coffee and it was through, so I was working in hospitality through this time because while I was studying and while I was at high school, I, um, I had a lot of experience in hospitality and I did quite enjoy that. Yeah. And I came back and caught up with Sam Keck, who we both know, what and I man. think he's been on this podcast. Shout out. He shout did out. actually yell at you 20 minutes or he like did. half an hour ago to, <laughs> to, uh, to shout us a shout out, but we, we just keep it rolling. Um, so yeah, I had a chat with Sam and I'd been working at Common Folk and their other cafe, Merchant and Maker, for a while. Yep. Um, and... I just sort of been thinking I really wanted to do something like I had a bit of money left and I thought I just want to do something to see what I can do. And it was business. Like I wanted to do a business. I want to start a business and see what I can do. And I was thinking about what's important to me. And at the time I was working as a barista and good coffee was important to me. And I was thinking, right, well, where, what's a problem that I've had that hasn't been solved yet. And I was sort of in the supermarket and I had a look at some coffee pods and I went, oh, coffee pods yuck and I was like well I love coffee but coffee pods suck and sort of thought well why don't we try and get good coffee into coffee pods and that's where that one started yeah um so started that started with a mate of mine from high school awesome um took it to some good places uh and yeah in between that just did a bit more traveling and then eventually found myself back in law awesome talking about the kind of entrepreneurship side is that something you've always had yeah, yeah. Um, never, I think it's always been in the back of my mind. Like, I've never really explored it until yeah. I think I needed that tipping point of essentially having life as a lawyer and giving everything up. And then I just thought, you know what? I think I, I needed to work out that from a position where I felt like my life wasn't very enjoyable. Yeah. Um, that really taught me that life is far too short not to enjoy it and then I started exploring what inspires me and um going back to sort of where I started you know taking things and making them better and um that sort of thing that's that's what I wanted to do so I think yeah underneath it all I've 
had an entrepreneurial spark, but I've never really started yeah. or lit it until that flamed it. What are the fa- what are the kind of the failures that come to mind that helped you grow it and build it and keep creating it to be what you want to be? Yeah, um, I think I. If my business partner's listening to this, with all due respect, I don't think it ever did become what I wanted it to be. Yeah. Um, and I think when we go back to our values at the start of this podcast, yeah. the environmental value is just something that's always been in the back of my mind. And it was always, for me, kind of like a good idea and sensible money-wise, yeah. but it didn't actually fit with my values. And I think that really stifled my sort of drive to make it big yeah um and you know i wanted to make it maybe compostable and then it was too expensive and by that time when the compostable technology was around we were already in some supermarkets and we were getting squeezed for margins already we didn't i think probably one of the biggest failures is just well i don't yeah i don't think any of it was a failure i think of flinders lane as like my own mba like i don't think i could have ever <laughs> and i don't think i could have learned it no I get if that. i had it done the uni yeah. degree like i learned the most basic things from like marketing to supply chain and distribution networks to working out a margin. Like I didn't even know what a margin was. Yeah. I understood the concept, but I didn't even know how well, to it. Well, it comes back it. to what you were talking about before, right? Like uni should be more practical. Yeah. All right. Here's uh, year two. You're going to start a business. We're going to have a crack and see what happens. Yeah. Like that's probably not the worst way to do it. Yeah. I think I've, it'd be great. I find myself <clears throat> some days and... I always start with the premise that I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about, but I find myself some days giving people business advice and things like that because I asked for it. Yeah. Because all we did was well, I had a crack and and tried things and yeah, like <clears throat> I've been asked to um, to like guest lecture and teach biz- like business courses at Chisholm and stuff like little things like that. And yeah. I'm just like, what has happened? How is like how is this a thing? But. And I think this is all I teach. I teach, well, you try things and if they work, you keep doing them. If they don't work, you try something else. Yeah. And that's, there's business. Yeah. Right. And then you learn all, like the ins and outs and how to do it all. Yeah. Along the way. And that's a cool way to put it. Your own personal MBA by just like having yeah. a crack. Yeah. And like, uh, you know, it's, um, we're trying to sell it at the moment. And it's sort of, it's at this point where my business partner and I don't have the time or really the drive to pursue it, and I think the time one's a bit of a cop out. That's more the drive. Because yeah, it was. It's a time thing. As soon as you go time, it's like, well, if it's not a priority. No, exactly. It's yeah. If you which do is business, okay. Yeah, yeah. And as we, you know, we were mentioning Mr. Ferris, Tim Ferris. But, yeah. Um, I think one of his guests. Yeah, shout out <laughs> to me. If you're listening, <laughs> I'll be happily uh, on one of your shows if you want. Um, <laughs> Good. No, he. I don't know if it was him or a guest of his, but it was like if you're never too busy it's just a case of your priorities yeah and yeah you know, it's just gotten to a point where can i re- think can you repeat that just for everyone listening that says they're too busy sometimes yeah you're never too busy <laughs> it's just that it's not a priority good um and it is life's all about priorities but i think the coffee business at this stage is probably not a priority and it's because neither of us i can't talk for my business partner but yeah certainly i'm not um passionate about it anymore and i think it's got that this kind of position in its life i wish podcasts were visual so i could draw it but if you imagine a dot in the middle of your vision it's got it can go in a fork so it could go down or up and i think if we sell it now it could go up if someone has the passion for it but yeah. we just don't yeah so what is what is the i guess the plan or the idea behind where um flinders lane coffee goes in the next 12 months or 18 months yeah so i think we like my business partner is potentially going overseas so i think he wants it gone 
pretty quickly. Yeah. Um, and I would probably rather focus my efforts on something else as well. Cool. Um, so it probably, probably flog it off. Cool. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> this is number one, done and dusted. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, you know, I sort of think of it as it didn't go where I wanted it to go, but yep. it, I learned so much that I don't care. Like I could, yeah. if I close it down today and I didn't get a cent from it, I wouldn't really mind because it's a lot cheaper than an MBA. And yeah, fair. I, um, I learned a lot from it. And it hasn't killed my spark. Like I've really, there's so many more ideas that I've got and um, I think it's helped me work out how to pursue them and also how to, choose them more wisely because I think one of the key concerns I had with Flinders Lane was that coffee pods are so bad for the environment and it was always in the back of my mind. So yeah. now I know if I come up with an idea, it's got to explore it a bit. those boxes. Yeah, yeah, see if it fits with my values. It's really important because a lot of people would <clears throat> miss the need to have it matched up to the values yeah. for the sake of profit and success yeah. and things like that. And I think if you've already been there and realised what it's like if it doesn't match yeah. up, then that passion probably is never going would never come back. Yeah. Um, unless you had it ticking your values. Yes. Um, what I'm, I'm deciding whether to go back to you being back to a lawyer mm-hmm. and what it's like, or whether we talk about some of these ideas and where, where you want to go in the business world. We're going to do both. Mate, we're going to do both. <laughs> which one do you want to do next? Um, Let's go. Let's we'll go. go. Let's go with law because I think I can cover that off quickly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think I went back into law. So I started back at a firm in Melbourne. So actually, I went. I worked at the council for a little while. Yep. It was a six month contract. And I worked as a planning compliance officer. Oh, fun! And that means you go around. So people call up the council. They complain about someone breaching <laughs> yeah. their planning permit. You go around to that place and you tell them off for doing the wrong thing. Yeah. Um, and that really showed me um, what I was talking about earlier about some of the things I've inherited from my mum is that I'm really empathetic and yeah. it always was from a place of negativity, that job. And I really, like, I'm sure it's for a lot of people and I really, you know, I respect all the people I work with. They were great people and um, they were able to cope with it. But I think I'm just a little bit too much of an empathetic person for that job. Yeah. It was complaints. So people weren't happy. And we would investigate those complaints and tell off the people that they were complaining about yeah. so they weren't happy. And then the person who complained was really happy so with the outcome a, anyway. <laughs> so yeah, well, that's it. Good. So no one really wins, right? No. It's yeah. just a lose-lose because everyone gets shitty at each other. Yeah. It's like, yeah, I don't know. That's a hard one. It's like being a parking inspector. Yeah, it is a lot like yeah. being, yeah. What's, um, what was it like being in that position? So I think it's it's an interesting one. Everyone kind of goes, oh, I could never be a parking inspector. Yeah. What was it like being that guy? I think it taught me. So my mum always said, and this is the second time I'm bringing up something my mum said. um, keep going. Mum always said that, actually she didn't always say, she only said it recently, (laughs) but when her mum was really sick, um, it's that not everyone's going to like you and you can't take it personally. And I think that job really taught me that (laughs) because I went in at the start and I was like, I'm going to try and please everyone, take a complaint, try and please them and try and solve it, try and please them. And it just didn't work. And sometimes you've just got to take it, you know, take it. Did your mindset go from trying to please everyone to just, I'm just going to do the right thing? Yeah. 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 And it wasn't always, I'm going to do my job because there were often situations where there were two or three or multiple options, but. Yeah, you're right. It came down to sort of what's the right thing to do here. And Even if you make someone unhappy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's it. That's good. That's important. So mm-hmm. you left that job. So I left that job. So that was a six-month contract. Yeah. Um, I got offered to stay on, but at the same time, um, my girlfriend of 
seven-ish years and I broke up. Um, and I was a little bit rattled by all of that. So Understandably so. Yeah, so um, also found a job in planning and environmental law and environment is kind of a passion of mine. Yeah. I was up in town, so I applied for that, got that, and then re- well, sort of didn't renew my contract at the council. Uh, and then was moved up to Richmond, like packed up everything. So I went from a job in Mornington, a girlfriend in Mornington, I met Martha, um, and a fairly steady life to a completely different life that's in a lot more fast-paced environment, working in Melbourne, living in Richmond. Yeah. Um, and did that and really enjoyed the legal side, but found myself in the exact same situation from uh, when I was crying over some dishes and and was just working pretty bad hours. It wasn't as bad as it used to be, but it was still long hours and felt like yeah. I didn't have time to have a life. And because I'd discovered that entrepreneurial spark and because I'd realised that there were things outside no, of work, so, yeah. um, I just couldn't sustain that. So you kind of went full circle. Went full circle, but then stayed in law and found a job in Mornington, which I'm really enjoying in law. Awesome. And I think it should be able to work in, in that I can pursue some entrepreneurial pursuits as well. That's cool. Yeah. So what are you doing now? So I'm working as a commercial lawyer in a firm in Mornington. Yeah. Um, and I've taken over from a guy who was there for 14 years, so just sort of working on a lot of his old files and trying to bring in my own. Yeah. Um, it kind of feels like there's, it's kind of like a rocket launch. You've got first and second stage. First stage is getting on top of everything that I've inherited. Yeah. Uh, and then second stage is kind of building my own brand down here and trying to be, you know, like my goal is to be the best lawyer on the Monitor Peninsula. Awesome. And it's a big goal, but, you know. Yeah. I'll back you in. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that's sort of where I'm aiming at. And I just need to keep sort of focusing on that goal and working hard at that. <clears throat> what are the what are the main things a commercial lawyer does? Oh, so varied. Yeah. Yeah. So down here, if you're a commercial lawyer, you also work in wills and estates because yep. there's a very old population down here. Yeah. Uh, and you've got to keep the books topped up financially. Okay. Um, so I do a lot of wills and estates, but the focus on commercial is anything from selling and buying a business to just basic contracts, um, commercial tenancies, renewals of leases. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to explore a little bit more into kind of some entrepreneurial stuff. Cool. Um, but yeah, basically, and realistically, commercial law is um, just contract law. Yeah. And it's just because you've got two commercial entities and it might have things to do with shares, which go to a constitution, but ultimately a constitution is just a contract between the shareholders. So it all comes down to basic contract law. Yeah. yeah. And then cool. if you get into a dispute, which I quite like, then you've got litigation. <laughs> yeah. Um, and yeah, I don't mind sort of trying to find, I like litigation because you have an opportunity before it reaches court to find a solution that isn't just like you can try and find a solution that meets everyone's interests. Yeah. That's what we were taught in sort of negotiation at law school. And, um, I think a lot of people forget that is that it doesn't have to be one. Or yeah. The other. So you try and get the everybody winning yeah. result. Yeah. 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 Which so. would be hard. It's, yeah, it's not always... Everyone wants them to win. Yeah, and just emotions. Emotions are the worst thing, which is another good lesson I've learned from being a lawyer is, you know, if you keep your emotions in check, you don't have to not be, not show emotion. Yeah. Um, but you've got to always sort of question where it's coming from and... Mm. and well, yeah. that would help with personal awareness, right? Definitely. Yeah, because yeah. you'd be able to deal with <clears throat> other stuff happening in your life a little bit more, if you're a little bit more aware of why yeah. you feel a certain way and why yeah. certain things happen because yeah. you go well at work I have to take emotion out of it and yeah that's an interesting one yeah and also it means before you make a decision you stop and you think why and 
I guess from a kind of nerdy lawyer position, it's like, <laughs> you know, if I was advising myself on this, would I want me to do that? Or is that not the right sort of... So, man, that's a pretty good skill to have. Yeah, to I, think, to yeah I, I think the law degree has really helped me in a life perspective. Yeah. Awesome. Talk to me about your ideas. What right. you got? What's, the, what's, what's next for the entrepreneurial what's spark? Next? So I can't with so many ideas and um, I've got a girlfriend now and she's amazing and she's very supportive and she mentioned to me, she said, it would really shit me if you just kept on saying this would be a good idea, this would be a good idea, this would be a good idea because it would just be your dreamer but you always come up with how it would work as well. So it's like a saving grace. That's very That's nice. Good. Um, good. But I also sort of am conscious of from what I've learned in the past in terms of keeping things in line with what I want to do, it can't just be a good idea, but it's got to be something that I feel really passionate about. Definitely. Um, and one of those things is actually uh, very, very early stages, um, but it's a concept whereby we'll hopefully, in the CBD at least, start tackling the disposable coffee cups awesome. um, issue. Um, we've got, we're in discussions, well, I'm in discussions with a sustainability manager of a large property management team. Yeah. Oh, I don't know if he's a manager. He's on the sustainability board of a large company that owns and manages a lot of CBD high-rises and they all have cafes in the bottom. Yep. Um, and the... So anyone out there listening, please don't copy, but I don't think there's any... <laughs> there's any I don't know. There's no point hiding, on, hiding your ideas when they're eventually no. going to come out and I'm excited by it. So the idea is that we will source... Reusable coffee cups. Um, talk, talk to me about, because it's something that, like, I guess it's an, it's an issue at the moment, right? Yeah. Because we understand how much coffee people drink, how much coffee I drink, how much, like, and what impact that has in terms of disposable coffee cups. Yeah. Keep cups obviously become a fairly big thing, a yeah. fairly strong thing. Huge. I've um, got one. Awesome. Um, but we, like, and then you hear, like, this eco cup, this is disposable, but is it? Like, yeah. Like, I don't know if it, if it is or not, because yeah. you hear things from both sides. Yeah. Um, well, even, you know, Sam's done a really good job of getting compostable cups in there. Yeah. But in reality, sorry, Sam, um, they need to be sent through a commercial composting facility that hits certain temperatures, which aren't, you know, you couldn't throw them which into your composting regular. bin. Yeah. 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 Um, so that's, and, where we, that's where we need to get to. Yeah, I think so. And I think, I hope we get there. Yeah. But I think in the meantime... Um, We've got to find another solution because we can't just sort of hope. Yeah, well, hundred percent, But like you're taking action, trying to find a yeah. So, a, so the idea is essentially that we just replace disposable cups with reusable ones. That the I've got a keep cup, and I had one in the city when I was working in a law firm, and it was just it would sit on my desk and it would get a bit mouldy. That's sorry. like that's genuinely <clears throat> like most of my coffees are sat sitting at common folk yeah. but a lot of my coffees aren't yeah. like they're ones that I bring to the office and bring to work and things like that and I am aware of it but to be honest like convenience wise it's so hard for me to get a keep yeah. up because I know I'm not going to clean it enough I know I'm not going I'm going to lose it I'm mm-hmm. not going to have it with me all the time like I struggle to keep my keys on me at all time. Yeah. So I am not gonna be able to add a cup to the yeah. cup to the equation. So yeah, we like we need a solution. Yeah. So even yeah, you know, I was walking from the law firm up to a barrister and I was meeting with the barrister 
And I went to grab my keep cup and I thought, well, I don't want a dirty cup on the table while I'm talking to a very respected (laughs) person. I don't want a dirty cup in the way of us. Um, So I got a takeaway and I just thought, there's just something wrong with like, what? but how do we do it? So um, ultimately the goal is, and um, I've got some contacts that could put me into the, into, onto some other contacts, but the goal is to just have enough disposable cups, sorry, reusable cups in the cafes in Melbourne and then just bins scattered around for the disposable cups. We use recycling bins all the time. So, yep. so adding another bin? Just another bin. Yeah. Uh, and then the service, so the company that um, I'm setting up at the moment will actually offer the service of cleaning the cups. Cafes will order them as if they're disposable cups yep. and they'll be delivered on a daily or weekly basis. Yeah. yeah. What, are, what are the main challenges you're going to face? Uh, getting the bins. So we'll need Melbourne City Council on board, but I think it's... From a PR perspective, I think it's a pretty strong case. Yeah. And meeting the right people. And, you know, I've got some friends who know... The most livable in, city in the world just became a little bit more livable. Coffee capital of the world. Yeah. So, it's a yeah. good example to set. Darabin City Council just banned single-use plastic at their council-sponsored events. So, that's you know, cool. It's one more so one little, so, But that's the thing, like, everyone looks at this and goes, oh, no, it won't change. Yeah. But it's one thing at a time. Yes. Yeah. Well, that's the other thing. The, I think the biggest challenge is changing people's perceptions. Yeah. But... I think the answer is so the first idea I had was a membership option where people get to choose and be a member they pay like a nominal fee a week and they yep. get to use a reusable cup and put it into the bins yeah um, but now I'm just thinking it's all or nothing and it's just completely replacing them yeah so it's sort of I don't know I think overall people are willing to do it but they need it to be as easy I as think possible. yeah well that's it I think people want to do it but people need it to be it needs to be something that's relatively easy yeah. to do um, yeah. if it problem is if it's something that costs people money or time yeah. then they're less going to be less likely to exactly. do it right yeah so the yeah, idea is like, that the cost of the reusable cups these days if you get them you know bulk wholesale from China um, there's you know they're still BPA free and all of that business. They yeah. um, <clears throat> that's actually quite close to the cost of a disposable cup in yeah. a cafe. Cool. So the idea is, you know, so we cost won't change too much. Yeah, and even you know we've done the maths at thirty or forty percent loss of cups, yeah. and it still makes financial sense if we can get okay. a high enough quantity. Um, and the idea is just you know you want to incentivize the cafes to stock them instead of disposable cups. Mm. They don't have to clean them. We do. And people can walk around and they can throw their reusable cards. You know, it's trying to make it, make them do a positive change without even realizing essentially yeah. that they're doing one or by adding as few extra levels of. And it's just a, like all you need, like it's just a change of behavior. So you've just got to kind of get people to understand the reason behind it. Yeah. And then they, that slight little change in behavior yeah. could make a huge difference. Different bit. Sure. Mm. I don't know. I still, I like. I'm still like having objections in my head mm-hmm. to it. What? Surely it's 2018. Mm-hmm. How have we not figured out some sort of material that com- is compostable, like yeah. everything else? Like, surely we're uh, there. I don't know. Surely. I think it's the heat. So coffee hits. You know, a lot of uh, true. Yeah. Brew coffee at yep. 96 or something degrees. Yep. So if we hit, some, yeah, gotcha. And if it can compost in a yeah. garden, that makes sense. Thing, yeah. I don't know, it's interesting. One. I don't know. Anyway, I'm, I'm open to it because it's very early stage, as you can probably tell by my inability to explain it. No, I like it. It's, mate, it's a great idea. And um, that, like, you're feeling, you're feeling a void, you're feeling a hole, um, solving a problem. Yeah. But and what, give it a try. And what, but what it looks like in six months is probably going to be completely different to how you explain it now, which yeah. is cool. Right? Yeah. You'll adapt and you'll grow and you'll figure it out. Yeah. It's a good idea. I really mm. like it. Yeah.
So we'll see. And yeah. I don't know. That's the the biggest thing. The biggest difference between someone who's like just a bit, you know, floaty and ideas oriented, and they're just in the head, and they're just sort of a dreamer. The biggest yeah, difference between a dreamer yeah. and someone who's successful is just taking that first step. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the big, biggest thing is just if you're able to take action, then you figure all that other stuff out. Yeah. Go. Just go. Uh, and if you, if it means something to you and it's fulfilling, then you're gonna put in the work and put in the time. Yeah. What's so the difference between stuff like that and mm-hmm. uh, like the times uh, working for the man, so to speak? Yeah. How big a change is that to your mindset, and how likely you are to actually love your work? What 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 are the changes to your mindset that you see between when you used to work um, in the big law firms? Yeah. And now following things you're actually passionate yeah. about. Yeah. Um, I think coming from a place of motivation instead of obligation. Oh, good. Um, and I don't know, time flies when you're doing something that you want to do. Oh, mate. You just lose track and you're just doing it and you're doing it because you want to do it. Yeah. You never feel like you have to. Yeah. Um, it's, it's a good feeling when you're in that position great too. Feeling like, that. like I'm lucky enough to be in like that position daily. Like every minute of every day, even the hard stuff, I, yeah. st- I, I love it. And like, I look forward to like, I can't wait to work for work tomorrow. Yeah. Same, like it's going to be the same on Saturday. It's going to be the same on Sunday. Like it's just when you want to do the stuff you want to do it because you're either helping people or building something bigger than yourself or yeah. making a difference like yeah. you are like it's so easy to come to work yeah, yeah. it's so easy to jump out of bed in the morning yeah yeah, yeah. that's cool and I like I don't know what the numbers are in Australia but I know the US it's about 70% of people aren't f- don't feel fulfilled by their jobs which is like that for me that's a travesty yeah and like it's good I love talking to people like you that actually genuinely like what they're doing yeah it's cool you too where do you get your driving vision from? Uh, have an idea and execute on it and put in the work. Yeah, I don't know. I think I think drive is just that life's too short. Yeah. Um, and it's It's the longest thing you'll ever do, mate. Quite <laughs> true. <laughs> but as in, you know, as far as I know, I'm not particularly religious. Um, and as far as I know, I'm on here one, on this planet once. And I, I uh, completely agree with that sentiment. Yeah, and um, I just think, you know, what if you think about what's the worst thing that can happen if you try something, Yeah. very rarely is it as bad as what your fear is telling you. Yeah. And you will always have a chance, you know, unless it's going to cripple you or kill you, then you'll always have a chance of making it right or yeah. giving something else a go. So I just think you got to give it a go. It's really easy for people to get stuck in fears of, oh, this could happen, this could yeah. happen, this could happen. But <clears throat> one of my favorite kind of sayings is that the past and future are literally stories we tell ourselves to make ourselves feel better or worse. Yeah. <clears throat> but the only difference between the two is one's fixed and one's fluid. So yeah. every decision we make in the present now will affect yeah. what happens in the future. Yeah. And I think then you kind of go, well, shit, I'm, I'm completely in control of where I'm headed. Yeah. And everyone is completely in control of where they're headed. It's your choice, what you want to do. Yeah. Whatever action you take will get you there. Yeah. And you wanting to make the world a better place by decreasing some of the coffee cup pollution, that's fucking awesome. Like yeah. It's, it's happening. Yeah. Good from you. <laughs> I'm excited. Yeah. I like I'm, it. I'm pretty happy. Like it's kind of too much. Like I... I'm obsessed with coffee and yeah. I really like the environment so yeah. why not well you've made you're putting the things you love into like and finding things you're passionate about and making making things happen yeah it's good hmm. how 
like you've obviously someone that like gone through kind of the the chronological story of the last <laughs> 10 15 years yeah someone that you've uh, i guess uprooted yourself and moved places to places mm. um and changed a lot of things how how does that relate to i guess the pursuit of your pursuit of happiness and your pursuit of being fulfilled and content and yeah how, what are the things that it's taught you along the way because like a lot of people probably listening to this or a lot of people who are listening to this know people that just aren't happy yeah how is that contributed to where you are now yeah um i think or if we think about you know chronologically if we think about today um i think i'm still in a little bit of a state of flux yeah in that i've moved three months ago i was in richmond and working in a big city law firm and now i'm in mornington and pursuing another idea and quite excited by it and i'm actually living with mum and dad and applying for a new place tonight and all this stuff so it's all it's all up in the air but i think overall um you know life's good and there's nothing not to be happy about i think when i went through the breakup i was pretty down i was probably if i had gone to a doctor i might have been prescribed some meds but i got through it um, it's, a whole, it's a whole other scary yeah issue. <laughs> we'll talk about we don't talk about that um but you know it was obviously a huge change like i had settled in i've been living in that house for years um with my ex we'd been you know sort of setting up a life together and then yeah. that all stopped and then I literally packed up everything and moved to what's well, essentially another city, you know, living in Melbourne, living yeah. in Richmond and working in Melbourne. Um, so that was all very, uh, a bit dysfunctional, but I think overall, like I think while I might've been depressed in the way that someone might've said, you need some medication, I don't think I ever lost sight of the fact that life is good and yeah. you know, it might be a speed bump, but you know, no matter where you are, there's always opportunity mm. and you can always choose which way you're going to go. Until you're in the position that you can't, life is good. Yeah, that eternal optimism is pretty yeah. important. Yeah. Because then no matter <clears throat> how hard things get and how fucked up things get, you always know that it could get better. Yeah. Um, and that's something that like people you talk to who are str- struggling with depression and things like that, like they genuinely can't, either remember a time that they were happy yeah. or look forward to a time where they might yeah. be happy in the future. Um, and I, like I've talked about this multiple times on the podcast, but the advice that I've had from people close to me that have been through depression and worked through it has been filling your memory bank with happy memories, mm. and finding the things that you like doing and doing them and just adding to that and adding to that yeah. and adding to that. And um, like, I'm more than, like I'm more than happy to be repeating myself for like three podcasts in yeah. a row on this because it's so important to yeah, just find is. shit that you love doing yeah. and do it. And then, you know, you can build that bank of happy memories back up if you are in that space. Yeah. Um, yeah, and it's a hard it's a hard space to live in. Because oh, it is, it, yeah. It's, yeah, it's... Um, this is a question from Jack Jeffrey. Oh. How do you build, deal with being drop-dead gorgeous all the time? Like, what's it like? <laughs> it must be hard. Coming from Jack Jeffrey. Yeah. The handsome man <laughs> Uh, I shout out Jack Jeffrey, <laughs> Jackie boy. Um, first of all, I'll just say Jack actually gave me my favourite quote, and I'll quickly give that, and then I'll start being self-serving and start talking cool. about my drop dead sexiness. <laughs> <laughs> um, Jack gave me a quote. He lent me the book from the Thank You Founder. I can't remember okay. the book. Not sure. Read. No, it's interesting. Uh, and he put in the margin of one of the pages, I think it was his favourite page, he put in a quote, and it is no doubt the universe is unfolding as it should. Good. 
And I read it and I'm like, shit, like that really talks to me. And it's not that I, it talks to me because I think that the universe is unfolding and I've got no control over it, but it talks to me because I think if you, regardless of where you're at, the universe, like it's like, you know, universe conspiring kind of quote. It's mm-hmm. regardless of where you're at, if you set your mind to something, the universe will unfold as it should. And I like that a lot. If you're on the wrong path, I believe that barriers will be presenting themselves and if it's too hard then it's going to be mindful mindful enough to yeah Uh, that's the deepest answer that's ever come from why you said you're looking (laughs) (laughs) and then back to Jack's question um, I actually think I probably have if if he thinks that I don't and (laughs) (laughs) mate you're a 12 thank you Jack I appreciate it Um, no I think it's it's interesting because I did used to be a bit overweight and not very popular and I think um, people, if, if people think I'm attractive, then I'm very flattered. Um, but I think, yeah, overall my, my own self image, I don't think I'm, I don't know, I don't have, I don't think either way. I don't think I'm unattractive, but I don't think I'm attractive. I just think I'm me. Play on. Um, and yeah, I'm not overly busted. Cool. It's nice to hear that he thinks I'm a sexy man. But. <laughs> Good. All right. I've got a bunch of, uh, short, sharp questions for you to answer to finish up. Go nuts with as long or as short as you want to answer them. Okay. Have you had a defining moment? Yeah, I reckon it was crying. Yeah. Crying, washing the dishes at home. Yeah. It's cool that you remember it and see I can see it. Like, I could put myself back there right yeah. now if I close my eyes. It's gnarly. Yeah. I have to ask you, talk to me about impaling yourself. Mm. Yeah, I thought I got away with that. Nope. I was um, playing footy at school and there just happened to be a star picket behind the goalposts. <laughs> I was um, protecting the cricket pitches, the yep. turf cricket pitches, and yeah, I was running with the flight of the ball. Probably the only time courageous. I've, only time I've been courageous. Like, <laughs> what do you happen to be at lunchtime lunch break? Um, yeah, it was lunchtime in high school, wearing the shirt and the shorts with the shirt tucked in and the yep. socks pulled up. And, <laughs> um, yeah, just sort of put my head over my shoulder and ran and jumped up and as soon as I was sort of on the way down there was a star picket in my chest and wow. gravity pulled me down so I got a nine inch scar up my chest Jeez. full nipple reconstruction hey treat yourself uh, one of the very few males <laughs> who had a full nipple reconstruction not very useful for us because it doesn't Mate, really do anything but put that on your resume yeah that should be on your LinkedIn profile nipple reconstruction yeah <laughs> <laughs> what, what was that like that's um, that's pretty heavy yeah what was that like for you and your family and uh, I I really I remember mum when she walked in. So interestingly, and no criticism, no judgment, but for some reason the school nurse decided it was a good idea to put me in her car and drive me to the local doctor. Mm. Um, and it actually worked out really fortuitously because the local doctor knew a plastic surgeon who was able to stitch me up really well. So worked out well. It wasn't the best decision, but she was no. in a very um, high-stress situation. Probably not something the school nurse would have to deal with. Too no, much. exactly. And, you know, people deal with stress. Yeah, you know, It would have been a very, very uncomfortable and hard position for her to be in. So no yeah. hard feelings there, but ideally an ambulance might be a better call next time <laughs> if that ever comes up again yeah. school nurses out there um, but I remember I was sitting on this like this cold I think possibly stainless steel operating table in the local doctor oh, and right. this old guy walks up and he's got his shaking hands he's like I think I can do it <laughs> I was like no I don't think you can wow um, how old are we? 16 Far 15 out. and mum walked in and I remember her looking at me and I've never seen her look so sad and I was just like 
I didn't say something. And I just said to her, it's all good. It's fine. Don't worry about it. And I just, oh, like, shit. I just wanted to go out. I wanted to be okay. Like, I was more worried about her than I was about me. Yeah. Um, it was shit. People who tell you shock sets in, they might be telling the truth for them, but it didn't happen with me. Um, I was in a lot of pain. It felt like I'd had my chest sort of dragged. If I was being dragged behind a truck on a gravel road, that's what it felt it doesn't, like. doesn't sound pleasant. Yeah, it really hurt. One little bit. Yeah. Far out. Um, but, you know, it was, it was interesting. I sort of, I hated it for a couple of years. I yeah. had a scar and I thought it was the most obscene, ugly, you know, just made my body look awful. And yeah. then I just thought, well, it's interesting. Is what it's it is, mate. I've got it. And <laughs> it's a fucking awesome story. <laughs> it's an elite story. It's, uh, yeah. What was the, was there like a chunk of rehab and stuff you had to do? Or was it just literally letting those? Not skin, really. Skin yeah. Out? So it was, um, it was stitched up. I can't remember how many stitches, but it was like a lot. Yeah. Like, I thought it was 50 and mum was like, it was a lot more than 50. I was like, wow. Well, you just got to pick it like a number and just stick with it. Yeah. Because it's a great, to be honest, I had 376 stitches. <laughs> well, I remember the doctor saying something about, well, I thought it was 50 layers, 50 stitches in four layers. So I used to say 200 stitches. Yeah. And then mum was like, I don't think it was 200, but it was definitely... Layers, mate. I think you've uh, earned the right to kind of just pick a number and yeah. go with it, <laughs> whatever it is. A lot of stitches, yeah. Um, but yeah, the rehab, it was just literally I had a big bandage on my chair, like a straight bandage over the stitches, and they were all dissolvable except for the ones on my nipple, yeah. Uh, so I got them cut out, <laughs> and like overall, my range of movement was a little bit tight for a while, but yeah. the scar tissue, it's all good now, and yeah, it's all fine, mate. Life's good, play yeah. on, good. <laughs> Let's start lining up a little bit. What's your favourite fun fact? <laughs> favourite fun fact? Uh, I really like... I guess it's a fun fact. I like <laughs> the guy... What's his name? Neil deGrasse Tyson. What a man. And he says everything... Like every single cell in your body is like originated from the Big Bang. So it's like... Stardust. We're all... Yeah. We're all just stardust. Yeah. yeah. And have, you read all, his, have you read his new book? No. It's amazing. It's a... Uh, what is it? Astrophysics for people in a hurry. It's elite. Yeah. It's um. It's super cool. It's very deep and very things along those lines. But yeah. It's good. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. Really it's like a great that. fun fact. Yeah. What advice would you give fifteen-year-old self? Ooh. Ah. Uh, fifteen-year-old Dan, you're almost there with the weight loss. Good job. <laughs> Keep it up. Yes, <laughs> good. Now, um. I think yeah, probably stop trying to impress everyone. Stop trying to please everyone. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Because I think that helped me back a bit early on and I've given that up and I think I've seen a lot more development since then. I like that. If money was an issue and you knew you couldn't fail, what would you do with your life? This should be what I'm doing. Really? Uh, What would I do? Actually, I think I would open my own law practice. Yeah. And I would probably do it three days a week. Nice. And I'd do it sort of from a community or social justice perspective cool and on the other four days a week I'd pursue my own kind of endeavours I think I'll never scratch that entrepreneurial itch and I'll like some people have the share market I think I just have like throw money at a business and see See what happens yeah and hopefully develop it to a point where like I'm passionate enough about it that it takes off I can't help but feel that law practice is going to be a thing soon ish maybe yeah good (laughs) if you could be remembered in one sentence what would it be Hmm. Like Dan was something, mate. It's all yours. I don't know. I think I want to. 
I, I think it can go down, go back to where we started and I want to... Make things better. Yeah, make things better. But I want, you know, if people know me, then I want their life to be better. Good for it. And not, you know, you know Make things and people way. better. Yeah. Yeah, good. Yeah. What is success to you? Being happy with what you do. I think five days a week for most people as work, if you're not happy in that, then I don't think you can call yourself successful. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I think family... Having a strong family is something that you should strive for. Like I'm Definitely. amazingly proud of my dad to be able to keep the family that we've got together despite yeah. how hard he worked. Um, but I think ultimately success is just being happy with what you're doing every day. Good. I like that a lot. What are you most proud of? Mm-hmm. Most proud of... This is always a hard one to answer. Everyone, everyone, everyone struggles with this one. Yeah. I think I'm proud of... over. Like, I get really proud when good wins. Like, I'm proud of the world overall because things like... It's a like good answer. It's when, a really good answer. When gay marriage passed, I was proud and, like, I was really excited for that. And just things like... Like, I think I'm overall, I'm proud of humanity in its... General. It's a very altruistic answer. I like that a lot. That's good. That's good because it's a little, It's really easy to to focus on all the negative shit that happens with humanity. But yeah, I think accumulatively we're doing a pretty good job. Yeah, I think overall we're good. There's just some very. So this is a problems. shout out to uh, the seven billion humans on Earth. Yeah, great work. <laughs> Keep it up. Listen to this podcast. Keep ticking boxes. <laughs> shit. On the flip side of that, what yep. are you most ashamed of? Hmm. That's a good question. I appreciate that. Yeah. I'm most proud of my good questions. <laughs> All right. What's yours? For most ashamed of? Yeah. Uh, ooh, wow. You can't ask that sort of hard question without answering it. So. See, the funny thing is most of these questions I've properly thought about and probably and answered at some point because I get these thrown back at me yeah. every now and again. That's one I haven't had yeah. to at me. What I am I most ashamed of? too curly not to be yeah. able to answer yourself. I'm... I'm most ashamed of times where I didn't treat someone with the respect they deserved. So when I, when I didn't listen to someone when I should have, when I wasn't present with someone when I should have, yeah. um, when I didn't live true to my values, mm-hmm. which is, you know, I won't bug you with all my values now, but one of mm-hmm. them is connection and it's the ability to stop and listen and things like that. And I think I'm most proud of some of the times where I've actually... S- sat down or actually spend the time listening to someone when I could have just blown it off and yeah. kept talking and, and found and been that person where someone can talk to when they haven't necessarily had someone. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so on the flip side of that, if I'm ashamed of the times where I wasn't that person and yeah. I wasn't able to do it because I was entrenched in something that I was thinking about that, yeah. that was maybe serving me but wasn't serving other people. Yeah. So what's yours? I think that's a brilliant answer. How do I follow up from that? Um, Look, I think, I think the reason that answer is so good is because it, people are ashamed of things that don't match up with their values mm. and that don't match up with who they want to be as a person, but they've done it. Yeah. Um, so I think, yeah, situations where I've 
done something where it doesn't match up with who I want to be. One actually sticks in my mind was when I was with another ex-girlfriend, and sorry to my current one for bringing up all the exes, um, <laughs> but the it brings up, I was, mum went to my grandma's funeral in Tasmania, and when she came home, I just hadn't even thought of the fact that she would be really down, and I was sitting there with the current girlfriend at the time, and we were sort of laughing and joking, and I hadn't even offered to sort of go to Tasmania or be at the funeral because at the time, like the day didn't line up, but yeah. it still would have hurt mum that I couldn't go to that. Yeah. And then I was sort of there and just sort of joking around. Yeah. It really hurt me to think that I'd hurt mum, and I was really ashamed of that. When you've just, yeah, because you, you just forget, right? Yeah. But you realise how much impact that has on someone. Yeah, and I think I was too caught up in my own world to not appreciate that, there was yeah. something really important for someone else. And I think being quite an empathetic person hurt mum's hurt or someone else's hurt really hurt me. Um, in the same way, my most recent ex-girlfriend, I think her and I, that was the first like proper relationship I'd been in. Yeah. And I think there were a lot of times when I let her down and it just, I think it probably hurt me as much as it hurt her. Um, but yeah, ultimately all it is is just, and even, you know, if I wake up and, go to work and don't put in all yep. the effort. Yeah. I'm ashamed of that. Like it's just... Yeah, it accumulates. Yeah, but it's just... It's always something that... And I don't want to sound like I'm ashamed of a lot of things I do. Like I think <laughs> overall I'm an all right guy and I'm pretty happy with where my life's going. But like it's just when your values don't... Like your actions don't line up with your values. Yeah. And so I think <clears throat> you can try and combat that by focusing on you know what's important to you and trying to live that it's awareness and, no- and knowing what your values are so yeah. you can keep working towards it yeah for those of you guys that are listening that haven't actually written down your values sit there for half an hour yeah. and think about well, what what do I value why do I value it put it down on paper mm. um, and it's really easy because then when you're not sure about where you're going or what you're doing come back to those yeah. next one who's someone you know who you look up to who's doing great things mm-hmm quite a few just pick one <laughs> uh, well if I'm completely honest you Lockie Stop it. no honestly I think yeah you know, I've sort of haven't really got to know you that well but I think we yes. know each other well enough yes uh, and I'm like I'm inspired by how you just you actually live what you know you read all of these books for everyone <laughs> listening there are dozens <laughs> of books on Lockie's wall um, and you don't just read them, you put them into practice. So that's really, it, it impresses me. I appreciate that. Um, and what you're doing with Virtus is really, you know, it's inspiring. First session on Monday? I know, it was Mate, great. That was a leap. I felt like I was going to vomit <laughs> <laughs> in a good way. Um, for those listening, vomiting after a session is not good. That's no, not what we want. No, feeling like it. You got the job done, though. Yeah, yeah, I did. Um, who else? Can you someone else? I've got a mate, James, who has just done all of this stuff and I don't know financially how he's doing. Like, I don't know if he's actually made it. I think he might have, like, he's doing well. But he's never, like, he's just got this dogged determination to just do something and try it. And if it doesn't work, he moves on to the next one and do it. That's cool. And, like, he's worked in a startup that, like, seemed like it was heading along the Snapchat route and then it just completely blew up and he was like all right cool i'm moving to sweden with my girlfriend <laughs> and then he's got this advertising agency and now he's working for the formula one and he's doing all of it like it's just and all it is is just like this overwhelming positivity that like That's i can do this things will work it out yeah and it's like sometimes it's almost perceived as arrogance but if you look underneath it it's just like he's just 
trust in it like he's like doing that. it that's good so, yeah I think him good who, if you could have if you could invite three people to dinner dead or alive yep. who would they be and why uh, mm. this could be anyone alright I think I'll just try and think of them quickly because I think the more you think yeah the first people that come in your head yeah alright uh, I think I want to say Elon Musk but I feel like that's a callback because he's obviously someone that mate he comes up to. a bit and I would love to have him at dinner yeah that, mate nothing wrong with that answer why I just think the way that he thinks must be different and I oh. want to know how he <laughs> yeah I'd love to have just a proper sit down conversation with him because I think for him to have achieved what he's achieved and he takes things that everyone else has dismissed yeah like his mission for SpaceX is to go to Mars yeah it's another private company has come up with that before Mm. as far as I know and he's doing it like he's just totally living it out in his last round of interviews he um I was was watching a bunch of them because like obviously he he just kind of like comes up for air and interview does like five interviews and then see you in six months someone the one of the reporter asked him why do you do this why doing these things and his answer and it's like the most Elon Musk answer ever mm-hmm. was to be useful how fucked up is that <laughs> he's literally like changing the way we look at three industries yeah four industries if yeah four industries if you count the boring company yeah. like it's and he's changing the whole way four industries work and yeah. they're looked at and the way people will be able to consume uh, these things and experience these things and his answer was to be useful it's fucked up. Yeah, it is. It messes with my brain. Yeah, he's um, and that's why I want, like I'd love to just chat with him because I think his mind doesn't work the way. What I question suppose. would you ask him? What's your first question would you ask him? I don't. I don't think I'd start with like I. Well, I think I'd start with something simple to try and build up the rapport. To be honest, I think I'd just be like, "What's going on?" Have a chat. <laughs> try and like break down his back because I'm sure he would get it so much. But I yeah. just want to like I think I just want to have a conversation with him. Yeah. I don't think I'd want to know anything from him but I'd want to know about him yeah yeah just let him talk and yeah. see what happens yeah, yeah. That, that'd chat. be the big thing just letting him talk yeah um, the two two and three I think my or so my Dutch grandpa just because there's a lot of unanswered questions like yeah. I've, I've never really got a chance to get to know him yeah um, and like I just feel like he had more to his life than he ever let on like I reckon he had a few interesting stories and he was just like an interesting man yeah um and I, I think it's more also to do with the fact that I just didn't have that opportunity to really get to know him the way that I did probably with every other grandparent so I think that'd be good good uh number three I reckon Henry Ford. Good. Mm. Yeah, nice. Yeah. Because I think he obviously had a huge influence on the world. It's crazy. But crazy. also, I just love, like, he did what he did, and he is attributed the quote, whatever the mind can, whatever uh, the mind can conceive, whatever mind can achieve. Or yeah, something like that. Like that. Um, yeah. My favourite quote from Henry Ford, and <clears throat> have you read Think and Grow Rich? Mm. Napoleon Hill? Mm-hmm. That's, um, that's one where... He just like pumps up Henry Ford for the whole book. Yeah. But my favorite quote is, if I asked people what they want, they would have asked for faster horses. Yeah. Like that, that epitomizes him. And I think he probably, he's probably, I don't know, it was a while ago now, but he's probably underrated in terms of the general population as to how big of an impact he actually made. Yeah. 
But also just, I don't know, I really believe that if you, I think if you want something, you won't necessarily get it. But if you want it and you believe that you can get it, yeah. I think you can make a way to ha- make it happen. Definitely. Yeah. No doubt the universe is unfolding as it should. Exactly. <laughs> Mate, thank you very much for coming on. Thanks, Lucky. You got anything more to add? Uh... No, I'm a little bit concerned. I brought up several ex-girlfriends. I hope people don't think I'm a slut. (laughs) (laughs) Matt, I'm good. Hey, you do you, right? (laughs) Love your work. Thanks for coming. Thanks, Lucky.